it's funny, but it's not funny it's at all. It's not funny at all. It's not at all funny. Um, I mean, we're laughing about it here, but that's just because we're sick. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good reason. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that reason. Welcome to the Risk and Repeat podcast, episode number 78. I'm Rob Wright, editor of Search Security, and I am here once again with my site editor, Peter Lotion. Peter, welcome back. Hi, Rob. It's good to have you back in here in Chernobyl, our little podcast studio, after a week of you not participating in the podcast. We had, of course, our, our friend and colleague, senior reporter Michael Heller, on a couple episodes. We did a, we did a two-parter. Uh, last week, very enlightening stuff about voting machine hacking and security. And then also we tried to sort through the mess about uh, Kaspersky Lab and the latest reports on uh, their, I guess, alleged involvement with Russian, the Russian government, Russian hacking, oh, lots of stuff to sort out there. But, but this week, Peter... We are going to talk about one of our favorite subjects, something that we've discussed and deliberated about previously, vulnerability disclosure and branded vulnerabilities. We had a big week. We had a big week and we knew this was coming too because at least one of these vulnerabilities, the big ones, one of the big two that came out this week was teased and... Over the weekend. Yeah, and hyped and... There were rumblings about this ever since, I guess, Black Hat, when the researchers in question uh, that discovered this particular vulnerability, they gave a presentation and they kind of hinted that, that more was coming about some of the research they did into Wi-Fi. I'm talking about the researchers behind the crack attack, key reinstallation attacks uh, that, that are that, uh, basically a vulnerability that, or weakness in WPA2 which is the protocol that it protects, it secures all modern Wi-Fi networks. Pretty much. Every single one of them. Okay. And, you know, not every I, single one, but close to every single one of them. Well, it's, it's the, the protocol that you're encouraged to use. Yeah, not, every, not everyone uses it. It's the right. one you should use, which is even sort of more serious that, you know, it's not, it's not the old way of doing things, which was had a lot of problems. So the individuals that discovered this vulnerability, like I said, they had, um, they had come out, uh, they'd done a presentation during Black Hat, and I'm not going to get their names right. Uh, they are Dutch researchers. They are from the university, uh, KU Leuven. Is that how you pronounce it? Sounds about right. Yeah. So, so, and the research is, it's very interesting. The purposes of this discussion are not to sort of dissect the technical aspects of the research and what it means, although we should probably kind of give an overview of, of what it, of, of what went on here real quick. Essentially, they, they found out that, that this vulnerability in WPA2 is, it's in the standard itself it's not in individual products it's not in individual implementations it's not in any it's nothing that the vendors the manufacturers did themselves well you're right and i think one of the interesting points here is that um because because it we we are we are at a point where the the, the protocols generally 
especially the the ones that are open, openly developed, are, are pretty strong because because yeah. they're open. Um, and this is a case. This was a case where people were tweeting that, um, pointing out that in, there were cases, there were places in the protocol that specify must or should or should not, so on, and the the implementations of WPA2 that were not vulnerable were the ones that ignored certain aspects of the protocol, which is it's it, ironic. Yeah, it's tragically like, ironic. Tra- sure, it's entertaining. It's tragically <laughs> ironic. It's, I mean, it's interesting. It's fascinating because because you know protocols are pretty cool, and the fact that having having that implementing it correctly puts you at risk. It it's funny, but it's not funny it's at not all. It's not funny at all. It's not at all funny. I um, mean, we're laughing about it here, but that's just because we're sick. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good reason. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that reason. As you said, I mean, this is this is this is affects a lot of devices, affects a lot of stuff out there. Mm-hmm. It's not good. And I'll just read real quick from the report. This is an important passage. "Quote: An attacker within range of a victim can exploit these weaknesses by using key inst- key reinstallation attacks cracks." Concretely, the attacker, uh, attackers can use this novel attack technique to read information that was previously assumed to be safely encrypted. Not good. Not good. Right. Go on. No, you go. Oh, well, I was, go- I was, I was going to say that while it's really not good, you know, it's bad that this whole thing has happened, uh, but you mentioned that, that you're vulnerable if the attacker is within range yes. of your de- of your device. Yes. Um, and another thing that that was uh, um, reassuring was that this is not this doesn't unlock all of your previously encrypted stuff. No. Um, that that kind of an attack where you know and we've we've heard of of these things happening in the past too, right? Um, if if you break the entire pr- encryption protocol and make it so that anything that's ever been recorded from your encrypted stream is then vulnerable that that would be really bad yeah this is this is bad but you know it's right we we know wi-fi isn't necessarily the the most secure thing that we can be using to communicate true true so the 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 scope is pretty important the details of this are are important and as many researchers and, and security experts have pointed out it speaks to a larger problem with the fact that this was developed sort of in secret. WPA2 uh, was, was, I mean, a lot of these, these organizations develop this stuff and they don't, you know, for whatever reason, they want to protect it from threat actors or whatever. They don't make it public. They don't show you how this stuff works. They kind of keep it behind the scenes and then you get stuff like this. Right, the IEEE, is um, a lot of their protocols. And and one of the things that, that surprised me, people were calling them out about this. Yeah, they said, oh, yeah. it's behind a paywall and you've got to pay to get the access to the to the specification. And there were some of the responses uh, suggested that, well, no, you can you can get this. It's not, it, it doesn't cost you anything to get it. But, I, and I followed the links and I thought, and I, and I found, I found myself in a page where I had to log. I had to not just log in. I had to s- to create a new account 
on another on yet another system mm. that I probably would never come back to that's, or not not, your, not for I, years. I know that's your favorite thing to do. Who, whose isn't it yeah, their right. favorite thing? Yeah. But um, but yeah, you've got to you've got to navigate, negotiate a new system, create a new account, set up a password, tell them your email, expose yourself a little bit more mm-hmm. um, to get a protocol to, to look at the standard for a protocol that's running much of the internet through it um, whereas and, and I'll have to say that, that that I ran into this 20 or 25 years ago when I was writing about uh, many protocols and I wanted to write about protocols but if I have to pay if I have to pay hundreds of dollars to get access to a protocol which may or may not even it's not even clear if it at, at when I was looking for it, whether that was the right one that I needed, but yeah. I didn't. I mean, that's expensive. I'm not. I, I didn't run. I didn't rack that bill up. So yeah. um, that's the thing. If you make it harder to look at your protocols, that makes it easier for people to uh, to assume that the protocol is okay yeah. because it was developed by pros. Yeah, that or at least I, not know that there may be potential weaknesses and. And, and this thing's been been around for a while, and it took until, you know, this team of, of and I, and I don't mean it, I don't mean to say this lightly, but a team of, you know, university, I, I think they're they may be uh, uh, doctorate candidates, like they're obviously very smart, but th- it's not a vendor, it's not a security vendor, it's not a security you know research firm, it's, it, you know, it's it's a, a couple of people at. A university that are that are finding this after years of it being in use so definitely not good but it you know as Mike wrote my senior reporter Michael Heller search security as he wrote in his story and as a lot of people have written it seemed like this was not as bad as sort of people expected it to be it it, it was and it, this isn't to say that the, that the researchers here hyped this I don't think that they did but it, a lot of experts kind of came, you know, as, as time went on this week, a lot of experts said, said, well, it's bad, but it's not that bad. It's, it's serious. And then to contrast that with un, the second vulnerability that came out, the, I, I guess you, you would pronounce this ROCA? R-O-C-A? R-O-C-A? Yeah. Doesn't have as catchy a name as Crack Attack. Right. And maybe that played a factor in this. Did but it the have re- a? Did, uh, sorry, did it have a a uh, um, a graphic uh, a logo? Uh, and a website? I don't think it had a logo. I think it was just it, Roca stands for a Return of Coppersmith's Attack, and basically what this is is it's it's a it's an issue of the RSA uh, encryption algorithm. Uh, and it, it was, but, but this was this was the implementation of the yes. algorithm, not the algorithm itself. No, yeah. yeah so uh, was you know it quote was found in the implementation of RSA key pair generation in a cryptographic library used in a wide range of cryptographic chips produced by Infineon Technologies. So so basically, there's and it's undetermined how many chips or infinite chips are out there that are really affected how many devices that's sort of still up in the air but it's a it's millions could be a million it's well, it, a lot well the th- i mean it doesn't have to be a lot because these were chips that were designed to be sold as extra super secure yes and they were intended for use in secure in extra secret super yes. secure implement applications yes so 
if you're if the if the Wi-Fi chip on your on your twenty dollar mobile phone is uh, is crackable or hackable, that's one thing. You just get another phone; it's just twenty dollars. But if you spend a lot of money on a very very high security yeah. solution for for generating keys for to protect important data, yeah. this so yes, this would be. It's not good. <laughs> it's it's basically so the 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 way it's sort of described this uh, algorithm vulnerability is basically it's all you need is the knowledge of the public key and you can essentially figure out the private key right and that opens up you know it's not it's not just oh we can we can if we're in range we can detect your wi-fi uh signal and and get into your wi-fi traffic this is i can get into your super secret data you know as you were describing it depending (laughs) on who's using the infinian device infinite based device exactly well and even more to the point it if the if the public key in uh, implies what the private key is yeah in other words i can take your public key and i can i can figure out your private key now i can take over your website do whatever i want on there and sign it with your private key That's and right. it and it looks like the governor is saying whatever the hacker wants that person to say, or and it looks legit. It there's no way to differentiate. No way to t- yeah. yeah, there's no way to tell the difference. That's great. I mean, there probably are some artifacts in the sure, way the Im- sure, encryption sure. is done, but, but yeah, no, I I think I think I get your point. <laughs> it's so Th- this is this is re- and I and and I think that that there were certain you know the people that I respect the most on the in- information security Twitter sphere. Some of them were coming out and saying, you know, everybody's out, hair's on fire about WPA2. Yep. But the ROCA problem is much worse. Yeah. And no. some of them were saying it on Monday, <sighs> and like so, Monday afternoon. So this is what I want to get at. So, so crack attack comes out again. I'm not saying the, the researchers that discovered crack did anything wrong. Uh, I don't think they did. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to sort of, when you find a vulnerability that, that's really important, and it is, to to highlight it, to get it in the public sphere, to get it in the news, to get to get people talking about it. I don't, that's not my problem. But I, it's, it's hard to sort of escape the fact that the, Roka looks worse, all things considered, than crack, but crack, got the bugs crack got it was it, it, it seemed to have gotten more mindshare more news more attention early on and there was some really wild uh, press coverage about that I'm, I'm looking at one in particular there's there was a, a tweet uh from the independent uh the independent uh, uh, a publication in the uk it, this is the tweet Almost every Wi-Fi in the world has been hacked. Uh, yes, I, that was the one that I was start, I was thinking of as you started. I, mentioning. I mean, why, first of all, Wi-Fi what? Yeah, <laughs> like like you're talking Wi-Fi router, Wi-Fi signal, Wi-Fi, you know. W- w- but it, second of all, no, that's not what it, what this is. It's it's even if there were attackers that had taken advantage of this. You cannot, they can't be everywhere in the world to hack everything at once. You have to be in range of the, (laughs) I feel like such an idiot even sort of explaining why this is ridiculous.
but but it's true. So there was a lot of media attention about this and, and people sort of getting carried away about it. And I'm wondering, like, did the fact that they the researchers here did they they hinted at this at Black Hat. This was this was sort of teased, this was trickling out, there was a there was a timed, you know, we're gonna we're gonna announce this at X, you know, o'clock on Monday the 16th. This is coming. Uh, it's got it's got a catchy name. It's got a does it have a logo? It does. And in fact, uh, it's they, got they, a logo. They got tweaked on Twitter because because one of their FAQ questions was, how do I get a larger uh, version of the of the logo? Yeah. I mean, it's. Yeah, that's that's a it's a minor so, point. So but it's a minor point. Again, I don't think that they did anything quote unquote wrong, because there's a lot of ways that disclosure vulnerability and, and sort of branded vulnerabilities can go wrong, and we've discussed that here. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it doesn't feel quite right, especially when you contrast it to the Roca stuff. And and I should note, Roca was discovered by. Let me find it here. Roca was discovered by a team of researchers at another university, uh, Masaryk, Masaryk University in the Czech Republic. It was also in conjunction with Enigma Bridge, a cybersecurity company in the UK, and I believe another university in Venice, Italy. And they all sort of sort of worked on this together. And um, so, so an important point I think to make here is, is that the, the, the team of researchers, the two researchers, that found crack attack, they're not vendors. They're not, they're not trying to hawk their startup. They're not trying to hawk their product. They're not trying to, you see what I'm saying? There's no reason to sort of commercialize what they're doing. Obviously it's good for them to get their name out there and what they found, it's, it's good for their reputations. It's good for their university. I, I think I've mentioned this before, but when you bag a big vulnerability like this, it might, for, for computer science people, for the, the tech geeks and this, the InfoSec guys out there, it's probably like the equivalent of your university making the NCAA tournament. You, you know, you raise the profile and you get a lot of attention. That's great. Yeah. It's, it's prestigious. But at the same time, like like you said, the logo, the, you know, the embargo on this or, you know, the, the sort of the timed re- release on this, the just everything that went around it, it, it I don't think they can be blamed for, you know, the independent and other places sort of getting carried away with the press about this. But at the same time, like, it does make me wonder if we are getting carried away with this, if we're productizing, for lack of a better term, how we do vulnerability discovery and disclosure. Like, are, are we, and again, they're not, they're not vendors. So, so this is, this is the InfoSec community as a whole. It's not just the vendor community. Are we getting carried away with this ever are we doing it wrong are we overhyping how we do this stuff and is it does it do a disservice to the public well you know it i think the issue i, I think you're right I, I do think that they did a good job of putting together a package mm. and the um you know the promotion that's all that's all acceptable stuff but um when it comes out that here's this bad vulnerability, this almost simultaneously with another vulnerability that, that could potentially, or maybe is already, much worse, that doesn't have all the promotion. The question to ask is, 
should the people who are doing the promotion right not do it, or should the people who are not doing the promotion start doing it? That is a great and question. I don't know what the answer is because it sort of puts a more uh, it, it it puts more obligation on reporting the vulnerabilities. And on the other hand, it's it's pretty pretty amazing that we're starting to read about uh, we're starting regularly to read about the same news that happens in our little bubble of the InfoSec bubble on the front page of the Boston Globe or the um, yeah. uh, the Independent or mm-hmm. wherever for you know some sometimes um, mashed up properly and sometimes improperly but yeah. but there's the, the good thing is that there's a much higher uh, 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 awareness of the fact that we're all kind of uh, subject to these to these issues that we don't have control over our information, our data. Yeah. So, it, 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 your to your question should should the guys behind Roka should they have done more? Should they have done anything differently? That's a great question. I mean, I like I read I read through their sort of abstract about this. It's not on like a I don't think they have their own website. It's on like a, it's on like a wiki. I think it's like on a Czech Republic uh, domain, and it's 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 easily readable. It's there's nothing wrong with what they wrote. It's all right there. They did an FAQ. They've got links. It's there's nothing wrong with what they did. But then when you compare it to sort of crack attacks with the with the the website and the logo and sort of the promotion around it. Is that going to lead to other organizations looking at this and saying that's the way to do it? I'm I'm in a university somewhere. I've got a team of researchers. We found this vulnerability and we've got to blow it up. We've got a we've got a spot like this. We've got to we've got to dress it up. We've got a we need a logo. We need a we need to tease it. We need to market it. We need to treat it like it's a product. And I kind of worry about that. And I think you should. I think we we all should because because in a simpler time. The, that job of, of promoting the important vulnerabilities was was assigned to the press. Yeah, I mean, that you you would stand up, you could call up your contacts in the press. But I think there's there's been a over, and it's it's happened over twenty or thirty years. But right. companies don't want to talk to the press because they feel that they don't get treated fairly or whatever. Yeah. And they look for ways to mediate that, and whether it's through a website, a vulnerability website with a with a whole new domain that you can send questions to. I mean, it's good that they that what I I mean, in my experience, most of these uh, people when I'm trying to get answers to questions about the new vulnerabilities, they're pretty responsive. Yeah, no, they to, are to press requests. But at the same time, um, there's there's this. Uh, I don't know what to call it, but they they want to take out the experts and and take out the uh, the unconnected experts, sort of make it a pipeline between the people who are reporting these these mm, problems mm-hmm. and the and the press, rather than making it uh, easier to connect with actual in the field experts who are not connected, who don't have a stake in it. Yeah, um, and it just mean it's just a reminder to us that we have to make sure that we call up. You know the the folks that we rely on the you know the the Jake Williams Jake Williams, and uh, the people from Rapid Seven, for example. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. all 
There, That's too, a great too point. many, too many to name, but but they're the experts, and when when we call them and get their answers out there correctly, then we've done our job. And yeah. if we haven't done that, then and that, getting the logo right is... I guess that's... Yeah, I know. And that's part of the reason this makes me nervous because if you don't sort of... Not to pat ourselves on the back, a lot of outlets do this. A lot of outlets sort of take the time to get a, a handle on something before running away with it. But you... And, and I'll just throw this out real quick. Uh, but you remember the Dragonfly report from Semantic about the energy grid? Oh, yeah. You look at how that came out, and we talked about this a, a lot. And we've talked about this in the office with other people here, and I, I, won't, I won't go into it. But, like, the reaction to that in initial news reports and from people that work in other parts of, of our company that, that are in conversations with people outside this company – I think a lot of people were under the assumption that our energy grid had been hacked. And and headlines in a lot of outlets, mainstream media outlets, and in even some some more tech-focused ones, uh, kind of intimated that, suggested it, or, or even a couple pro- kind of flat-out said that. And that's not what's in the report. What's in the report is about how Threat actors were targeting the actual utility companies rather than the, the sort of the, the substations and, you know, trying to get a foothold in there. And w- they had not hacked the energy grid. But you, you see the press coverage. And then, and then this makes me wonder, too, not to, you know, criticize Semantic unduly, but I know they did a lot of rounds with the press. I know they pre-briefed some outlets. I know that they did a lot of interviews sort of explaining their research and trying to get it out there. But then you turn around, and you see you see their quotes in stories with headlines about how catastrophic this is, and it's not. It, it's not catastrophic. It's serious, not to downplay it, but it's not the, the energy grid was not hacked. We're not facing a situation where a hacker could have just flipped a switch and then the whole thing goes down. That's not what happened. That's not what's in the report. And I feel like if you're dealing with the press, you've got to make that clear. You can't, you cannot talk to the press, uh, and then a day later see the story go up and say, "Oh, they said they said this is this was an energy grid attack, and, and someone hacked the energy grid." Oh, okay. No, that's not what happened. You got to call those guys up and tell them. I mean, I, again, I, not to put anything on the researchers of the, behind Crack Attack, but like, did they see the independent headline? I don't even know if that headline's still up, but like, was I. Yeah, it's like is it on? Is it? I know. Is it on them to call them up and say? It's not. It's they. They can't be blamed for that. But at the same time, like, who? Like that's going to happen. How do we? How do we handle that? I don't want to be. I don't want to start taking you know shots at other press outlets and start sniping and infighting because Lord knows we've gotten things wrong and we've messed things up. But at the same time, you're looking at a situation where things can get carried away are getting carried away well i mean we we have our we have our resources we have a certain amount of resources the sure. beginning of the week we try to figure out what we're going to how we're going to apply those yeah we so do. on monday morning when we heard about this wpa2 problem the, with the crack attack and it was all over the place and we and i don't know about you i try to stay away from twitter on the weekends but you know sometimes i can't can control myself. I take a look and I and I see something's burning people's hair. Yeah, you know, so the people are running around uh, 
acting like, oh my God, on Monday we're all gonna it's yeah, gonna like drop doomed. everything and, and toss your routers. Yeah, and I mean, so on Monday morning when we have to apply our resources, do we do we apply them to WPA to the crack attack, or do we apply them to this other thing that is is a, a little bit more quiet? People aren't freaking out about it yet, but um, and we have to make a decision because that's because we're in business, and the, and that's and by the same token, Symantec wants to get coverage. Yeah. They want to be seen as the as the white knight in InfoSec, as doing, you know, and I'm sure all the other information security companies want, to, want the same thing. Yeah. They want to look good. And to look good, they have to be seen doing something amazing. So just doing, you know, doing basic jobs saying, doing maintenance work on the internet and, 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 and paving out the potholes, you know, the security potholes, that's, that's not there's glamorous. There's no glamour in that. There's no glamour. There's, there's no, no headlines glamour in, in running that. your certificate authority the right way. <laughs> Zing. Okay, I had to throw that in there. <laughs> Thank it's you. It's a thankless job. Yes, it is. But, you know, it's got to be done, and that's what keeps us all safe, more or less. Yeah. Um, but if some, if some, if you can get generate these big, horrifying headlines, then that makes, that's all the better. And the people that are, that are involved, you know, everybody's, all the stakeholders have their own agendas. Yeah. I mean, Semantic doesn't care if we sell newspapers or whatever no. it is that we sell, no. but they they care. They do want to get coverage. Yeah. And so they'll they'll do what they have to do, and we do what we have to do, and the people who are who are running other companies are doing what they have to do. But uh, hopefully, we can do our job well enough that we can overcome some of these p- bumps. Bumps, potential potholes. Yeah, and I would say, I guess in closing on this subject matter, to the audience, to the readers and listeners out there, if you do catch us doing some of this stuff and getting carried away, you have full authority. I mean, you had full authority before I said you had full authority. But please, you know, don't be afraid to call us out if you think we're getting something wrong or uh, exaggerating something or, or, or maybe underplaying something. You never know. Should we remind them of our email addresses? No, I'm not no. putting my email address out. I get enough foreign language emails. No. We'll include them in the story on the podcast. How about that? It's a good compromise. It's not hard to track us down. Yeah, yeah. We need our own risk and repeat site. We need a branded website, risk and repeat. Uh, well, we do have a logo. Yeah, we do have a logo. Let's, tra- <laughs> let's check the URL. All right. We should wrap it up there. Peter, thank you for joining me on this uh, latest episode of Risk and Repeat. Always good to be here. And thank you to the readers and listeners out there. I'm Rob Wright, and we will see you next time.